A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain's Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slug, Stardate 61. These are the continued voyages of this podcast as we watch all of Star Trek. I'm Eddie. Mark's here as well. How you been, Mark? Um, worried, Eddie, to be honest with you. Uh, I, uh, I've started to... Look, it's no secret I'm an opinionated man. Right? I have <laughs> opinions. And, I, uh, and I, like to, I like to let those opinions be known with like-minded people. What's bothering me at the moment is some of my, I wouldn't call them, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would necessarily call them strongly held opinions. Like I'll happily, like these are not opinions like, you know, everyone deserves the freedom to kind of be whoever they want to be and university should be free and and, and like, uh, uh, the, the, the only thing we should be putting on Charles' head. Uh, this year is is an axe uh, to put further down, like like these those are those are kind of like those are inscrutable opinions, right? But I have opinions where I'm more than willing to tear people's sides, even though I do hold them quite strongly and quite passionately and maybe even aggressively. Uh, and what's really worrying uh, is that these opinions uh, do tend to. When I when I have these opinions and then seek out other like-minded people online, it does tend to be absolute fucking gammons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, not, now, not on things like all the races aren't equal or anything. Obviously, I'm pretty against them on that, right? Or, or, the, or the Northern Ireland shouldn't be part of the country that it's in. Um, but, um, but things like uh, TV licenses... <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I I think that's I, that's the tier list. That's the tier list of British things. It's like like what what you, if you want to know somebody well, you ask them what are your opinions on racism, uh, the monarchy, and then the next one down is TV licensing. <laughs> and from that, you get a pretty good judge of somebody's entire character and worldview. Because I yeah, because I I could go on at this at great length, right? I I think the TV the TV. The TV infrastructure, the, the excuse is you pay the TV license because that gives you the BBC, which we all share and it's all fucking not partisan, what's the, like, kind of down the middle. Like, because the, the left and the right hate the BBC equally, so they're, they're clearly doing something correct, right? But <laughs> the um, but the whole, but the argument is, uh, you get the BBC and I'm like, well, I don't really use the BBC and I don't really care for the BBC. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really care if it went advertisement, like Channel Four's advertisement funded, and it's and it's and it's public owned. Like that's fine. That that wouldn't bother me. But then they hit you with, yeah, but the TV license keeps the infrastructure for television going, uh, so that it can broadcast the signals out. And I'm like, eh, fine. Like I, but most most people have Sky or have Virgin, and we're paying extra. So like, I just think it's something that should be scrapped. And not only that, like, just 
I, I, I will be, I'll be honest, right? We pay our TV license. I say we pay. Laura pays our TV license, um, because she gets sick of the letters. Um, but it's not really a crime to not pay it. Like all they can do is come around your house and ask if you have one, and then you tell them, yeah. What are they going to do? They'll just say, but, 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 sorry, this is going to be quite a long rant before you get given a chance to talk. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I don't give a fuck about that, right? Like I, I, I don't, I don't really care. Like I, I'm like, well, the world has moved on. We, we don't really need these things anymore. But I find out that the people who share these opinions are guys that you meet down the pub. I don't really want to be that guy. And then today, Eddie, what really set me off was I went to go and pick Laura up from work because I had nothing on. Um, and uh, it was rush hour, right? It was like five o'clock and I was just about to pull out of my sort of house complex sort of flat situation. And there was a full funeral procession, like hearse and like two other cars. And I just went, no, fuck this. That's, uh, they got down. Luckily, there's a junction very close to where I put out and luckily they went the other way. But no, you, you, you sh- like, fine, right? I'll play your fucking game at 10.30 in the morning, right? Where we'll slow down and we'll pretend that's fucking respectful or whatever, right? And I won't overtake or I'll turn down my music or I'll take my hat off. Whatever, right? I'll do that. I I don't care, right? Really? I, more Anyway, but but sorry, I, sorry I've, I haven't had a long time to form this opinion. But... <laughs> but don't... Uh, but at fucking rush hour, when I have places to be, you are... and you, That is the worst... The, oh, they're going slow because it's like an old horse on oh, carriage. Yes, but guess what? Walking was too slow, so they put the coffin in a fucking horse-drawn car. <laughs> we now have cars which are faster than horses. Why is a horse not going thirty miles an hour? Right. So <laughs> I thought to myself, one in my will, I'm going to stipulate that the horse has to maintain the speed limit, right? <laughs> and two. When I was waiting for Laura to come out of work, I went on the Google and I asked, what are the actual rules concerning houses? Because, and this is where it gets really bad, is you know how when Extinction Rebellion or whoever or Just Stop Oil were gluing themselves to the road and people are like, yeah. but what if an ambulance has to get by? That's how I feel about funeral. <laughs> Cor- what, what, if a, what if an ambulance needs to get by? Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's a single lane road and, and look it's it, the, the roads are for the living right so I looked up these things <laughs> and I was like what what are the actual rules concerning horses on these roads can you overtake on a dual carriageway <laughs> and all of the fucking chat was just guys who I'm like oh you definitely don't pay your TV license and you definitely let people hear about it and also uh, every single one of them to a man said, I have stipulated on my will that the hearse has to maintain the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who am I becoming? <laughs> I used to be a young radical, Eddie. I'm just, I'm getting, I'm getting a visual image. I'm imagining that these people were all uh, wearing a baseball clap and sunglasses inside their own car in their profile picture. Yep. Uh, <laughs> look, the official uniform of shitty opinions <laughs> I get it right death is sad I'm sorry that your granny died or whatever right but but mourning isn't Wi-Fi. it doesn't fucking affect everything that it touches <laughs> like, like at the end of the day I have to be somewhere and your grand's corpse is preventing me from doing that 
So I'm therefore not only not going to feel sad about it, I'm going to feel angry. I don't like the concept of drive-by respect. I don't like the yeah. idea that you bring a you bring a, a you bring a fucking coffin past me, and I'm supposed to slow down, take my hat off, and be like, "Oh, oh isn't it sad?" As far as I know, that's a dead nonce. Right? Okay? Yeah. I don't know. There's one person in the world who's got some money. They've paid for that funeral. And I'm getting there. Oh, isn't it sad? And then I'm going to meet somebody who actually knew him. It will be like, no, it's not sad. Very glad he's dead. Uh, yeah. He was a fucking monster. Like, I, I, you can't drag me into it. But also, to go back to your point about the TV losses, my view on the TV losses was the same as the view, my view on the monarchy, which is... As long as Attenborough's alive, it's fine. But once Attenborough's <laughs> dead, we need to have a conversation about it as a nation. The same way we should have done about Prince Charles, who incidentally can fuck off. I tried, I did an entire set about like abolition of the monarchy the other day. Uh, and died on my ass. People have got no taste for uh, beheadings anymore, Mark. And I'm just going to say what I said on the night. Beheading gets a bad rap. But if it wasn't for beheading, we wouldn't have the Louvre. Right? So... It's, it's not all bad. Don't let ISIS ruin a perfectly good part of society. <laughs> I, and I, this week for my pub quiz on Sunday that I know for a fact a bunch of monarchists go to, uh, I'm going to write around all about the king. Um, and it'll just be about people who were the king of other things, like the king of pop, Michael Jackson, <laughs> or the king of rock and roll, uh, Elvis Presley, who incidentally... Uh, we're also found not guilty by a court of law of being nonsense, uh, just as I'm sure that Charles, by the court of public opinion, was also found of, of not being a, a nonce, even though... Do you know what? I'll put it on the line. I reckon that guy's fucked kids. <laughs> I, don't, I, I wonder... I wonder. Like, I honestly think it's a coin flip as to whether that guy has fucked more kids or murdered more kids. <laughs> Oh, he's a. It's the thing is, you're okay with fucking kids if you're the king of something. King of rock and roll, king of pop, king of silent movies. Charlie Chaplin, all got to fuck kids. Prince Andrew will never be king, and therefore it's dodgy. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, I am. Um, I highly. One of the ways that, that I actually don't share an opinion with the gammon um, is that I think it's a terrible idea to introduce the death penalty for paedophiles. Uh, because if you if you if you if you're already enough of an asshole to rape a child, then you're likely just going to think, well, if the kid lives, he'll just testify, so I'll just kill him, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I absolutely would be in favour of bringing back the death penalty for all of the crimes that Charles has done, no matter yeah. how slight. Yeah, I think he should. I think that I think that should be the rule. I think if you're the if you if you're in the royal family, you should get one week of being king. And then the people get to murder and eat you. Do you know that the uh, the big uh, the big uh, concert they're having? Take yeah. that are playing, which is funny because take that is what Charles's ancestors used to say while pointing at a map of Africa. Yeah, have you watched? Have you watched up that? I'm never going to get a chance to bring that joke up ever again. It's literally only good for a week, and I've got no gigs, so I thought, fuck it, I'd bring it out. And you know what? The people who are like, oh, you're just jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I wish I was a royal. <laughs> I wish I had the. I wish I had the impunity to murder all the kids I like. There's a there's a fucking secondary school across the road from where I live, 
if if, yeah. you, if you don't think that I have at, at least at one point in my darkest hour wished that I could kill children with impunity, then you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is getting a bit dark, Mark. So let's let's move it on to this episode of Star Trek in That's... which a woman lies about being raped. <laughs> <laughs> It's I, I can't change the plot of the episode. That's what happens. Although she doesn't lie, according to the Anna Troy, uh, she thinks she's telling the truth. She just perceived Riker as being a, a rapist, and R- Riker doesn't think he's a rapist because he doesn't understand inherent power dynamics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this episode's fucking weird. Yeah. I thought we'd got out of problematic territory now we're in season three, but this might be one of the worst. Well, no, the racist episode was not the worst. Because it's really <laughs> up and down, isn't it? Because I, we've got like a super pro-trans episode coming up pretty soon, I think. Do we? I can't remember. It's an episode I've never seen, but a lot of people have talked about it. Um, in, in the fucking, in the gammon forums that I'm on, but I'm on about the, the, the speed of hearses. Uh People people often bring this up. <laughs> no, uh, I've never seen it, but I thought I thought it was in season three. Um, but it, but it's like it's like super like surprisingly openly pro trans uh, for a for a TV show that was that was out in the early nineties, especially for a TV show this of this success. Okay, um, I'm looking. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Riker. Um, <laughs> first of all, let's uh, let's let's settle this. Do you think he did it? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to say is, given my my impression of Riker thus far, uh, no, I don't think he is a murderer or a rapist. But, equally speaking, that's what rapists want you to think. So, <laughs> they don't wear badges. It'd be, you know, counterproductive to their agenda. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's complex. But the weirdest thing about it is the fact that it's, it doesn't even... It has... Him being accused of rape, Mark, has no narrative function within the structure of the episode. Oh, I don't agree with that. He could... So, the thing is, it's Riker beams back from a space station and then it explodes at the same time that he beams over and the people from the planet they're on are like, oh, we think you're guilty of murder. They run a simulation of everyone's testimony in the holodeck so you see it from everyone's different sides of the story and his one is this bloke's wife threw himself at me I didn't want to have anything to do with her and then I left and then his wife's version is he tried to rape me whereas it could have just been as easily been he tried to hit on me but in a consensual manner <laughs> Um. I think the, I think I don't know if it, I don't agree that it doesn't add to the to the narrative. Um, at the risk of sounding insensitive, the only thing it to, for me that it really does add to the yes, for the first time in this podcast, um, the only thing that it really does add to the narrative is that it makes the episode forty five minutes long rather than <laughs> half an hour. But, um. But the thing is, it, it, otherwise, they, they, if if that wasn't the case, if that if if it wasn't in there, they'd have to change the title of the episode, and that seems like a lot of work. 
So, <laughs> I this episode is this, but for, if you don't know, this episode is called uh, uh, Riker gets uh, accused of rape. Uh, <laughs> As you said that, all I've all I've got in my head is the opening titles from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so. <laughs> I'll try and let's 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 see if I can because it's been about a week and a half since I watched this one. So let's see if I can recall it from memory, right? So there, uh, there's a guy and he's a scientist and he is creating a new form of energy or something. Yeah, Krieger waves. Krieger waves. Uh, they get you in, in your sleep, and he and Riker goes down because Starfleet are interested in 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 getting these. So Riker and Jordy go down. Jordy goes off and sits in a cupboard somewhere. And then um, Riker beams back aboard. But as he's beaming on, this, this the station explodes. And uh, don't worry, Chief O'Brien's sober enough to um, to get him back. <laughs> so he, uh, he, he beams him in. And then everyone's really surprised, like, oh my god, you made it out. He discovers that, obviously, the spaceships, the, the, the starship, has, or the, the space station has blown up. Um, then he is accused by a lawyer from that race of having blown up this ship immediately before he left it. Yeah. Which is an interesting plot in its own. Right. I have questions about that, though. Right. Because Riker... If it, so, right, if Riker... The last thing Riker did is shoot his phaser at this thing. Um, then when he beams in, surely he'd have his phaser out? And that would be on the Enterprise's equivalent of CCTV. Right? Yeah. But he he doesn't. He just beams in standing there. So surely that's enough evidence that he didn't do that. Uh, I think yeah and also there's another bit so that they the guy has built this as an energy source and it turns out at the end that he's trying to weaponize it you know like all good star trek villains um but because they've made a replica of it in the holodeck is device it's basically like a reflector that reflects so there's a generator on the planet that beams things up and then this little reflector like turns them into radiation and because they've made one in the holodeck, it keeps blasting jolts of radiation all over the ship. So to, to clarify, the reason that they built it in the holodeck yeah. is that the, Picard. The, the... Because it's a courtroom, right? They turn it into a courtroom and, the, and this is the testimony. Yeah. And they recreate it exactly. Picard didn't want to extradite Riker to the planet because um, this is one of the cheaper episodes. Yeah, um, and they didn't want to build a new set. <laughs> and, at, and at one point, uh, Riker says the holodeck can't create anything dangerous. And then I assume that Picard reminded them that he was under oath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had to be because oh, Jesus Christ, like why? Why would you do this? One time, the holodeck made a super villain. Yeah, because Jordy used the wrong tense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it did. One time, 
Like, and, and, and what they've done now is, look, we want to create you to create a holodeck program where we know for certain one of the people in this program is a murderer. Yeah. Uh, so go for it. Fill your boots. But also, like, things look like they do in the holodeck. I get that. Like, but they aren't the actual things. So if your plan is that you've built, like, a thing that harnesses the energy from, like, down below, uh, unless you've replicated that in the middle of the holodeck... It wouldn't work the same, I don't think. Yeah. Unless it can. The holodeck is basically. We've got this little box that's got God in it. <laughs> don't question it. Don't don't leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't try to apply any science to it. Use it to create various bars. Yeah. You can't. You literally cannot go wrong. It's the only thing I have ever seen the holodeck not go wrong on. Is turning it into a bar, even in first contact, <laughs> when Picard turns it into a bar, essentially a big, yeah. a big sort of jazz bar. Um, the holodeck literally saves him by providing him with a gun with bullets in it. The Borg's one true weakness. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's. I love the fact that its ability to create bars is the reason that fucking Starfleet have it on a separate fucking, like, power source. And also because it means if you haven't got a lot of money to spend that episode, you can just film in a nearby bar, um, which saves you a lot of money. Like, basically, what I'm driving at here is I they saved a lot of money on Picard Season 3 because that was the, they'd already used the Titan sets and they already had the... The, the the ten forward set and that's most of it that they do it in. So I, well done. I did wonder how long we were going to talk about this boring ass <laughs> episode before we just decided to abandon it and discuss. What, talk about Picard. Picard season three. Although, if you if you if you listen to us, you almost certainly watch Red Letter Media. And if you want to know our opinions on Picard, if you want to know my opinions on Picard, just watch the three videos of them talking about this season of Picard. Because those are basically my opinions, except they are funnier than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I I was going to say, I like the fact that this is the... So Picard painting at the beginning of this episode, and he's bad at it, and Data tells him that he's bad at it. Yeah. Um, because he can't lie. Yeah. Because I saw him painting, and I was like, oh, that's a bit... Are we going to be expected to say this is some sort of futuristic, abstract, avant-garde art? And I figure I like that in the same way that I like the fact that Picard can't make wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my my favourite line in all in all of Picard season three, including the ones that, that literally brought me to tears, was when there was a situation. If you haven't seen it, I won't spoil anything. Um, but there was a, there's a situation where they they have to do the old "tell me a thing that only you would know." Um, type deal and uh, Jordy holds a phaser up to Picard and Picard holds a phaser up to Jordy and Jordy says prove basically prove that you're Picard Picard says uh, I brought a, a bottle of Chateau Picard Merlot uh, over for Christmas one year which you called too dry because your taste in wine is completely pedestrian <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to pause the I had to pause it to laugh yeah to be fair that it's it's Picard Season three has some of the funniest moments in 
in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Um, and, and, and only some of those moments are Terry Metalis directly pissing in Alex Kurtzman's face. <laughs> but... no, one, no one's seen or heard from the Borg in ten years. <laughs> Technically, that makes sense. They were in an alternate timeline in uh, right. Pic- yeah Picard season two. So, um, I, it's good though, isn't it? And the best thing is, like, cause, yeah, it's real good. Uh, it's it, it is really funny, but ever but no one, it, like, no one gets a laugh that hasn't been earned over thirty years of work. Like, yeah, like it's not like they just drop in like some wisecracking character. Maybe apart from Shaw, but Shaw never. <laughs> but Shaw's awesome. Um, sure is amazing. And, and the stuff that he says, it isn't. It's not like it, I guess it is wisecracks, but I guess it's funny because of. Yeah, sure is the kind of Starfleet captain who you wouldn't even see in a normal Star Trek. It's just another ship turns up, and it's the the he's. He's, he's captain of a starship, not a major one, not a big one. Doesn't get to go and do silly adventurous stuff. He's the guy who's probably sent in the week after the Enterprise has been somewhere to clean up and has dealt with so much bullshit from the Picards and Kirks of the universe. I What an absolute dice roll by Terry Metalis to be like, I'm I, not only am I going to bring back next gen crew the ships the feeling to some degree of a next gen episode when it comes to the character interactions i'm going to introduce a character that everyone is arguably going to like more than these people that they want to see um (laughs) everything about shaw like i i i I really want him to show up in an episode of lower decks and apparently this might be on the cards um but but my favorite shaw moment no, you can't. You can't narrow them down. Basically, every Shaw moment is my favourite moment. But it's it's, yeah. the, it's the bit where he where he kind of clears something up. That that's almost like a. Uh, you didn't have to. It, it it almost kind of felt a bit like a. What's your name, Han? What's your son name? Oh, I don't have one. Well, you're here yourself. So it's solo. Um, but it was it was when he is uh, he's going off on one and he says, uh, "Lacutus." The only Borg so dangerous they gave him a goddamn name. Um, I re- I really like that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Look, I'm I'm gonna try my best to not spoil anything. There might be some light. Watch Picard season three. It's if you enjoyed Star amazing. Trek: The Next Generation, Picard season three is a, a fucking love letter. It's it's everything done right, and now I never want to see those characters ever again. No, nope, never. It, except for maybe Geordie. Yeah, yeah. Geordie is okay to turn up very fucking rarely. Like I, I want to see him maybe once. Yeah, that's it. That's it. No Riker, no Picard. Th- fucking Troy gets something to do and what she does is essentially destroy a generation's worth of internet memes in one go and I want to never ever hear from her ever again. She's I, I don't think that Councillor Troy needs to, to prove herself. I 
kind of love that. I, I love that character. I will always come to Troy's defense. But Troy proves herself, even though she kind of doesn't really have to. And it's um, incredible. We should get back to the uh, shit episode. <laughs> I was going to say, one thing we've learned during this series, it's like during this show, is that the hate for Deanna Troy is completely fucking... It's based on a fucking nerd culture that is, at, at, at best, mildly misogynistic. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's at best. And, and a lot of, like, over, like, going, oh, she didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Because she didn't do anything that you perceive as having value. But she's fucking done something incredibly important. You just don't perceive it as having value because you're a fucking emotional fucking child, right? When, but uh, all I, uh, just to touch on it ever again, Brithy, it, but the fact that when she turns up, because it, she's not like the, the legacy characters in Star Trek Picard sort of come in one by one. And by the time Troy comes up, the minute she walked in, I was like, oh yeah, thank God Troy's here. She can deal with that thing that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and like I, the, and the minute it happened, I was like, "Okay, yeah, Troy's here. Let's get it sorted." And then it did. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just so good. It's so good. I watching the tenth episode. <clears throat> I was alone because Laura was in London, and I'm glad uh, because I was a mess. Uh, and I was I, I twice literally jumped off the couch in celebration. Um, magical. Just that magical. Watched the entire season over one weekend, and I have no qualms in admitting I fucking ugly cried uh, at moments in episodes nine and episodes ten. Yeah. Um, they are. Yeah. It's it's great. It's great. If you watch it, you're gonna watch the first four episodes and go, "This is having the best Star Trek." I've ever seen. Then you're going to watch the next four episodes, and you might go, "Oh, this is this might this be is very middle. Oh, this 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 has got a problem. Oh, I hope they're not going to do. And everything you're going to hope that they're not going to do, that's not what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they're doing something else, and it makes actual complete logical sense, and isn't as stupid as you worried it might be. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of as stupid as I worried it might be. Um, <laughs> This fucking episode, right? So, yeah. So, so, the, so this alien judge, kind of lawyer type guy, he comes on. He says we have to extradite Riker because he's being accused of murder, and on our planet, it's uh, it's uh, slander. It's it's slander rules. You you have to you have to prove your innocence more than they have to prove your guilt. Uh, yeah, I've I've actually put down guilty until proven innocent. The Daily Mail system. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've got down here. I haven't looked. I didn't look up any background on this episode because I don't think it deserves it. Um, no. But one of my notes is, and I was, one of my notes is the shot of Riker walking behind Hollow Riker while the camera moves is legitimately impressive. There's a there's a part where Riker walks behind himself, and the camera follows him, and doing that on a nineties budget is remarkable like a couple of episodes ago we talked about how them trying to get fancy with some uh compositing meant that picard literally couldn't react to watching his first officer murder a woman in front of him <laughs> yeah but this was next level the the funniest thing about it is like 
so there's a lot of like the hologram happening in the room and then moving around it and that, that's like legitimately impressive but then there's a scene where Riker punches a man twice and it's shot from it's, it's Riker shot from behind and it's clearly Riker's stunt double because he's got like a paunch he's like a, a much heavier man than <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Frakes and I was like like I get you, you you don't want to do your own stunts. I know that Jonathan Frakes has back trouble as well, so he might not be as agile as you'd like him to be. But he can pretend to punch a man. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do if he ever needs to actually punch a man? <laughs> like, that's not Riker. That's like Jonathan Frakes. Like, I'm assuming at some point there's been a Star Trek nerd who needs to smack. Uh... <laughs> I, I imagine Frakes is, is a man to only act in self-defence. And... Uh... Yeah. I, if you're, if you if you're the type of person that could get angry enough that you punch Jonathan Frakes, I I don't want to know you. <laughs> There's a lot of celebrities I would happily punch. Jonathan Frakes is the bot. He's not even on the list. No, nobody who's in the cast of Star Trek: Next Generation. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Nobody except Wesley is in the cast of Star Trek this generation. It's somebody I would definitely punch. I, and I would, um, Will Wheaton's actually a lovely guy. I wouldn't punch yeah. him. But I could also envision a situation in which Will Wheaton got onto me. Uh, we, Laura and I have been watching Criminal Minds recently. Yeah. And there's an, there's an episode that we watched recently. And the, and the way that Criminal Minds works is it's kind of like a, uh, not Scooby-Doo in that they show you who the guy is about halfway through and then it's about them figuring out how to get to him. It's a bit like Columbo in that respect. But mm. uh, halfway through this episode where it's a dude who's been, who runs a, like a shady hotel, and when couples stop in there for the night, he gives them a key, and then he sort of freaks them out a little bit, and then he basically locks them in the room, and it's like the, the, the walls are like concrete reinforced, and you can't get out the windows, and he can kind of get around. Um, and then halfway through, it's revealed to be Will Wheaton. Um, and when we were watching it, I, uh, I and he popped on. I literally done the Leonardo DiCaprio meme and shouted, "Wesley Crusher!" Um, <laughs> and and, he, and Laura was like, "Oh yeah!" Uh, and uh, she was like, "I wonder, I wonder what the crossover is. Like, what's the crossover of fans of Criminal Minds and Star Trek: The Next Generation who would get excited about that?" It's probably probably pretty huge. Next gen was a very. I mean, like let's let's get stereotypical here, but procedurals are sort of mainly watched by women. Yeah, largely. But so was Star Trek: The Next Generation. I mean, huge numbers can't can't all be nerdy guys. I kind of wonder about it because Will Wheaton has been in a lot of stuff, and I always wonder to an extent like what because he's a good actor, like now. And he wasn't like he's in Stand by Me. He's like a good. He's, he's got good. some decent acting chops on him. But I do kind of wonder if there isn't like when he turns up in like Leverage or something like that. Whether if there was a moment <laughs> where they were like, oh, sh- should we should we cast? We've got two actors in the running for this gig, and one of them was in Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> which one do we get? We get the ask him if he can bring along any props. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, because definitely like the cinematographer or at least the sound recorder want to see like a tricorder. Because what? <laughs> well, we definitely stole some shit from that set, man. Like everyone would have. I imagine everybody's got a 
got a com. Well, I say everybody's got a com badge. Uh, I know for a fact that Denise Crosby doesn't, but that's story. Yeah, yeah. The, so, um, but <laughs> yeah, I would. I would have nicked so much stuff. Like, because you've got to keep the uniforms as well. But like, on the last day of like filming, I'd have like cleaned off the furniture out tenfold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you're never you because like certain props get reused a lot in Hollywood. Like a lot of people don't realise this, but um, like for example, if um, the the guns in um, uh, Starship Troopers um, flip those upside down, so your pinkies resting on the uh, on the trigger. Right, and you've got the guns that the uh, Union or whatever they're called, the Alliance, use in Firefly. Also, the uniforms and the helmets. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the stuff gets reused. Like the the EKG meter from Ghostbusters turns up fucking everywhere. Yeah, the PKE. Yeah, yeah. So like stuff gets reused, but you never get it. Like the stuff in like Ten Forward is too iconic. Like, that fucking get away. That fucking little pyramid thing. In the middle of the table yeah. that no one's ever explained. I'd, I'd have three of them, <laughs> and then so that whenever anyone came around my house going, "What's that for?" I'd be like, oh. <laughs> "I think it might be a room deodorizer." Right. That That's what nobody ever nobody ever brings up is a lot of <laughs> alien stink. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um. Hold on. Um. Did you notice? Who the scientist in this was? No, he was Mark Margolis, who is the guy with the little bell in Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's all. I, 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 yeah, he's also been in loads of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. as a, he's a quintessential that guy actor, but he's I like the one. Know. That's the thing I noticed him from. <laughs> Salamanca was his name, right? Yeah. Um, so, but one thing I want to bring up is we see. So the, the 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 gimmick with the episode is we see the same scenes, like two or maybe three scenes, but we see them done like different ways. They happen depending on who's told the story. So, Riker's version is he's in this room. Uh, this bloke's wife is throwing himself at him. He says no thanks. He comes. The bloke comes in. Uh, Dr. Apgar comes in as a little like punches his wife in the face in Riker's version as well I've got to throw that out there yep big time yeah and Riker, uh, Riker does nothing about that <laughs> what's well, the it's Riker's prime director <laughs> so Apgar then goes to punch Riker Riker if Riker, if Riker was a wrestler do you think he would use the catchphrase according to the prime director <laughs> directive the Priker directive I don't know we'll work on it <laughs> does it well there's a there's a writer strike that started today so uh oh I so technically we, we is can't that, work is that it. is that gonna sorry sorry James we're moving away from an episode again but um <laughs> is that even gonna affect WWE like does Vince hire union writers <laughs> So you'd hope they'd walk out of solidarity, but it. So I don't know what the situation is at WWE. I know that the the AEW they just get bullet points from like older wrestlers. It will like say this, this, and this. Venture where the pay per view is. Fill your boots, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, but oh man, if you're younger and you listen to this, the writers' strike, man, you're not gonna 
you're not going to believe like there is a a genuine I think a five minute slot spot from an old episode of Conan's show where he spins his wedding ring on its side and they try and bet on how long it will spin for and that's and that's what passed for entertainment during the last writer's strike and we don't have Conan anymore on TV so we're fucked yeah because a lot of the online discourse at the moment because I wasn't really watching late night TV at the time uh, I barely, yeah. I barely watch it now. I watch a lot. Of, I love Conan. I watch a lot of Conan stuff on YouTube. But what happened the last time is that the the late night hosts, as they have done, as they have announced that they're doing today, uh, in solidarity, have shut down production, uh, which hilariously means that James Corden is not going to get a farewell show. Um, <laughs> but they, that's why they struck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, they they shut down they, the last time they shut down for two weeks and then contractually they had to come back now as well as contractually uh, what you have to remember is that the writers are only one part of the crew and those crews are not on strike so they can't not work uh, so it's unfair so it, it is a bit of a rock and a hard place situation but I understand any live TV show that's like no we have to go because we, we can't, the cameramen aren't, or the IAST or whatever, they, they are not striking. Uh, but, um, but uh, yeah, so so uh, Conan has come up a bit in, in discourse as well, because people are like, uh, it's arguably the best Conan, because, yes, Conan is amazing, and Conan has great writers, and Conan works very well with his writers and stuff, but when Conan is just left to his own devices... Like, at one point, he spends half an episode trying to change a light bulb. Like, Conan, <laughs> although he's not writing, Conan wrote arguably, like, a top three of all-time episode of The Simpsons. He is an amazing writer, uh, and, and he's a funny, funny guy. Uh, and, and like, yeah, apparently even Jay Leno got funnier. Yeah, I saw an interview ages ago with Kyle O'Brien where he was talking about he has been. He was like, "I've been a late night host for twenty five years, and when I get introduced, uh, like to speak at events, that people mention like my twenty five years as in late night in this on the same level as the fact that I wrote the monorail episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that is considered such an achievement, and it's like." Yeah, no, Conan can't, like, write a script, but he's still got the brain that came up with the fucking monorail episode. Yeah. And it's... it's And and I'm, I'm actually really gutted that we aren't going to get to see James Corden trying to riff. Because, like, Seth Meyers, I reckon, can do it. Cole, like, Colbert and Seth Meyers, like, what brought you to the party was being funny and spontaneous guy. Yeah. But James Corden has fucking... Nothing. First of all, it was it was Ruth who wrote everything funny and fucking Gavin and Stacey, yeah. uh, and I will. That's that's based on absolutely nothing, but I am completely certain of it. <laughs> and yeah, I don't, and James Corden's crew don't particularly like him, so they will happily hang him out to dry on his ass. <laughs> Just such a shame, you know. That's why he quit. He knew this was coming because he was busy vi- voting against the striking workers. <laughs> uh, um. That's right, so Holodeck. Uh, so we see the same scene from like different perspectives. And sorry, you you have a point. I can see that because right. you're jesting, aren't you? Okay, right. Riker dodges the blow in his one, and he punches away. In the um, version of events 
told by the bloke's wife. Um, Riker beats the crap out of her husband, George Apgar. But then finally, we get Dr. Apgar's assistant telling the version of events that Dr. Apgar told her. And that is where I'm going to put this out. Like, Mark Margolis is, is an old man now, but he was quite old when this episode was filmed. Uh, and he's also, like, quite small. Spry, he's a spry man, but he's he's a small man. And his version of events is he kicked the shit out of William Riker, right? So at that point, we could immediately... If I was a, if I was in the court, I would have been, if I was John Luke, just gone, uh, point of order. <laughs> no way you beat the shit out of Will. No. He's not an old man with a slug in his brain. No. <laughs> he's not a wharf. You can't just beat the shit out of him in order to prove that you are physically the strongest... No, Will Riker will kill you. No, well, he, did, well, he didn't. No, sorry, can we start again? Can we have a recess? That should have been the defence. Your Honour, if, if, if William Riker was going to kill anyone, he'd beat them to death with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> or another blunt instrument that was lying around. Oh... oh. But yeah, we got we got some good O'Brien. O'Brien saved Riker's life, so he's up for promotion. Oh, big time! Uh, yeah, definitely. Troy uh, says, "I don't think you're a rapist, but there's two sides to every coin." So I'm not really back in there right now. <laughs> I don't know, man. I she because it does it like it's not a very good episode, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's extremely middling. It's better than a lot of like season one, but it's not great. No, yeah, uh, and it's... it, but it does kind of raise if if Star Trek's mission obviously is to boldly go where no one has gone before. But if Star Trek's mission is to examine the human condition, then the idea of there being different perspectives on a single event is a, a, a massive part of of the human experience. Um, everyone, yes. ex- everyone, ironically experiences it. Um, even though you only have your own perspective and the idea of I think they kind of gloss over I think if the episode had been maybe a little bit more about how the mechanics work like how did like because he just says to Jordy because Jordy was there he was sort of present before this happened so Jordy has to go and upload his testimony into the holodeck and I, I think maybe if it had been something like You've seen Severance, right? Yeah. Right, so imagine something like, oh, so we, we'll we bring in an arbiter. Like, we'll, we'll bring in a Federation arbiter or a non-Federation arbiter. And they'd go off to the holodeck and they'd sit down at, like, an interview table with Riker, with the assistant, with the wife, with Jordy. And it would be a thing of, like, Okay, what's your? What did you experience? Jordy gives his just like straight up gives his testimony. We maybe see it in flashbacks, and then uh, Riker gives his testimony, and then the wife, and then the assistant, and they all give their testimony, and we kind of all see it in flashbacks. But then through some basically editing, we would reveal oh they're not really flashbacks. They they, they are being writ large on the holodeck in front of them and everyone is there to see it and it's kind of, and like me, like then just cut I mean this, this is maybe a bit conceptual 
but then they cut back to the the kind of court of like the literal court of law who are like okay we've heard and we have seen everyone's testimony like we we know that this is this was your perception of what happened uh we will now deliberate and then they go well we we don't think Riker did it obviously the reason that they know that Riker didn't do it is that is the, a science fiction is, is the science fiction okay. reason is the reason that the thing that the guy made that they have now replicated on the holodeck <laughs> exploded that fucking starbase and now is threatening to explode the Enterprise. <laughs> uh, and and that's how they're like, oh, Riker didn't do it. <laughs> but that's but I I think there's 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 a there's a structure to this episode that would have that that would have worked better. And it, and we could have included all those elements like like the like the wife accusing him of, of, of sexual impropriety and stuff like that. That that all would have made sense. But I, I, I think just the ideas in this episode are interesting, but the, but the execution just isn't. The problem for me is it, it doesn't need like when you're writing right, when you're writing a Star Trek episode, you should be thinking, oh, is there something? Firstly, you should be thinking, is this an interesting story that we can tell? Absolutely. But well, then probably the second question should be, is it a story that only Star Trek can tell? Yeah. And this like oh. In like different narrators having their own perspective on what happened in the past, every epi- every long running TV show has had a version of this episode. Basically, I'm certain that there's one involving vampires in an X Files episode, where it's like Mulder and Scully are being debriefed separately, and they both uh, you have flashbacks to both of their versions of the yeah. story. So it's not that Supernatural groundbreaking an idea, sure. yeah. And it's like so it's not that groundbreaking an idea. You know, and and then, but then, and normally this would be like I say, middling episode. It's got the season three quality level that we expect. So there's nothing particularly wrong. But right in the middle, there's just this tiny little aside, which just goes. Oh, also, sometimes when women say they've been sexually assaulted, they're just making that shit up. Anyway, on with the episode. Yeah. It's like that's it's, yeah. It's it's like a, well, that's just what she perceived, which is kind of like a who? Sorry, who wrote this? And um, <laughs> can we have a look at their Wikipedia? Because I don't know, man. Why? Why are you? Why are you putting that in? That that that'd be like a that that'd be like a character and Buffy just randomly saying to each other, that, "Yes, this, these this, these demons have smaller brains, like black people." But then just <laughs> like like just letting it go. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Just Where's like, that come like from? so. So uh, what we suspect is that these demons are actually part of a shadowy cabal. Goes what them and the Jews, right? <laughs> it's, really like, yeah, yeah. it's 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 a really weird, and it doesn't. And like I say, it it's not okay. This is gonna. Oh man, I'm gonna get myself in so much trouble, <laughs> right? You. Well, I've never been on the other side of this. Right. I'm. Okay. Women sometimes very rarely can can lie about this sort of thing that 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 can that is one of the things that can happen in the universe that's all i'm gonna say i don't think it happens commonly or frequently enough that we should be majorly concerned about it and i think that you should in general take women at their word about what happened there is an interesting episode you could do with a story of somebody doing this if you then addressed 
the if they, if that's what the episode was about, and you then had the social implications of our other women talking how about how doing this sort of thing affects other people's ability to be believed, and then tie that into what you can't really do in Star Trek, but you could maybe do is like have other female characters talk about very real examples of situations in their own life that this sort of stuff had happened to undermine the fact, like underline the fact that like maybe this is, but it happens so frequently that you've got no reason to disbelieve a woman when she tells you the story. Like if you wanted to tell that story, you'd have to be very careful. And I, but I think there is an interesting story to tell about that. And like, they're, they're, like the the tight the walk. Like, cause I, cause we fucking I, that's a pejorative term, but we fucking white knight on this show quite a lot. Like, but but like, but yeah, but like the the idea that there's a, enough women out there lying about it, like it's difficult enough for women to come forward with these things when they're telling the truth. Uh, it's the idea of them not only have to fucking lie about it and already have people assuming that they're lying and then also the effort of fucking keeping that up to to a point like that's that's rare <laughs> that that it's it's so rare it, it it might it might as well not be a factor until we find out that it definitely is um but the i but that is that is a story to tell. That is, inarguably, a factor of the human existence. I don't know if you know this. Women are people, and people are duplicitous. <laughs> they are. There are at some point going to be people, women, who are duplicitous about that thing. So the story of, of, of how does that affect people is a story worth telling because it's it's a, it's it's something that we can be interested in and talk about, etc. But the problem is, uh, you would have to bring on. That that story, as far as I'm concerned, is women's to tell. Yeah. So the problem is it was the nineties on network <laughs> television. Um Yeah. The, it was the same it was the same year, in fact, I believe, uh that Ridley Scott received the script for Thelma and Louise, thought it was the most empowering feminist movie he's ever seen looked for a female director who would be able to tell that story effectively and then remembered that he's the most feminist director in the world. So he made it. <laughs> I think it is, is very telling about this particular episode that Bev is on screen for maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get the impression that they... they it's like somebody on this episode was like... There's not a lot for Bev to do, and then like maybe a woman in uh, in the writers' room was like, "Let's not give her more to do, because we don't want to explain why Beverly Crusher isn't now Doctor again in season four. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the fine. thing is, given that that dodginess that that one little because it is literally only like maybe two three minutes that this is addressed but given that the fact it's a fairly mere episode i genuinely say you just don't bother watching it mm. it's like you're not gonna be it's not like it's not like they drop that bit into the middle of measure of a man where you'd be like look i know that bit is really problematic and that we, yeah we have to address that but it's the best episode of star trek ever written right you know yeah. it's, but it's like yeah it's, it's a problematic bit in an episode that's not that good so you can kind of just leave it yeah 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 i agree yeah. don't 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 worry about it on a rewatch just skip yeah. seasons one and two apart from measure of a man and skip this yeah 
Because I'd, I'd forgotten that this was in this. I've seen this episode before, and I'd forgotten. And then it got about uh, about ten minutes. About I got about ten minutes into the episode, and I was like, oh, "This is the one where Riker gets accused of rape." And then it <laughs> happens for like a minute, and I was like, "I remember that being a bigger deal." Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, watch Dungeons and Dragons later. Oh, it's good because uh, I I uh, so it's not done super well at the box office. I think it barely has made its budget back, not even its marketing. But apparently, insiders have said that... uh, I don't know if it's Universal. Whoever whoever is distributing it, whoever the the producers, kind of had that, like, in mind anyway, uh, because they want this to be a series and they know that it's going to take up up Steam on, on, like, VOD and stuff. So rather than just... um, so I decided uh, what I was going to do is they're taking the VOD numbers into consideration. So I, I bought it uh, digitally and then I discovered that it it only comes out digitally in America today. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I um, how I'm going to watch it is a mystery uh, for only the ages <laughs> to answer. Uh, but if you are the, the, the right owners of, of Dungeons & Dragons, you literally have my money already um yeah yeah i just might watch uh, it on plex rather than on amazon yeah it's 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 good it's Can't good I'm i really was excited. thinking about this the other day it's what as a society why did we decide that michelle rodriguez was always going to be a helicopter pilot because she's got range <laughs> that's all i'm saying yeah <laughs> all right anyway yeah watch the dnd movie it's real good yeah i can't wait yeah. thanks man all right, all right. bye, bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>